Hello, I'm Brian Knight, author of Dangerous Toys and Other Works of Fiction, and I don't listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore, because they banned me for being too much of a heathen. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, episode 642 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. Can you believe it? I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. And the mouse clicking while it's supposed to be silent, Brittany Page. You, yeah. could have, you could have added that in if you wanted to harass me. That, in addition to, I mean, that that runs in 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 uh, in 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 tandem with, as mm. I can't think of a word, mm-hmm. in tandem with the fact that we've done six hundred forty-two episodes of this program. Isn't this six hundred forty-two? And, and you still, yeah. Well, it's we've done the show. When they listen to this, we haven't. When they listen to this, the show will have been done. Yeah, but who knows what could happen between and you're now? You're over there, clickety clack, clickety clack on your goddamn mouse. Mm-hmm. While I'm getting a sound signature for the room yeah. to eliminate when I do noise removal after the fact in post-production. Yeah, we get it, fucking buzzword guy. What am I saying? What do you mean, buzzword Just guy? a lot of sound engineer buzzword buzz, oh, I, buzz, I'm no buzz. sound. I'm no sound engineer, but I'll tell you what, your loosey-goosey over there yeah. creates fucking problems for me. In about an hour and a half when I'm dealing with posting this episode. I think you'll be fine. So <laughs> one thing that <laughs> we wow. one thing that we often are asked, because we we generally check in on social media after we have seen a movie, like to post that we saw the movie. We don't do it before the movie because it's a safety concern to check in our location where we are. Oh, check in on on like check in on Facebook that you're at the movie theater. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we do it as we're leaving so that any kind of well you hear some of those drops in the beginning of the podcast episodes. Uh, Jesse doesn't have Let me let me rephrase that. <laughs> Jesse has some a different kind of fan club. Yes. Thank you. Who can be violent. Yes. Or at least would like me to believe that they can yeah, be violent. Yeah, with their threats. And so anyway, generally we, we just we don't check in places while we're there. But people do ask us why don't we ever talk about like the movies that we watch? Which is a good question and why the fuck don't we? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. But we decided to talk about the the three latest movies that we did go see because some of them were good. I want to add a. <laughs> I want to add a. Well, let, let, we'll name the movies. We saw the 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 Harriet Tubman movie. Harriet, which was fucking great. Mm-hmm. We saw the Mister Rogers movie. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. And then we saw Knives Out. Yes. And then that was in theaters. And then we also the other night watched uh, the Scorsese film. I did not watch that. Uh, the Irishman. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, 12 hours of my fucking life I'll never get back. Yeah, I watched maybe 30 minutes of it and then decided I didn't want to watch it. No, I think you got an hour and a half in, which is only... Really? Which is not even halfway done. 
Yeah. So, well, I think I maybe watched only 30 minutes because nothing happened. So yeah. maybe that's why <laughs> I feel like. A- anyway, anyway. Yeah. So Harriet, the movie was great. Loved it. There was a lot of religious influence yeah. in the movie. It's they they went into like supernatural territory. With yeah, that's it. what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, like it's she not had... that she was led by her faith and motivated by her faith. It's that she would have fainting spells and see the future and shit. And that's but they credited that, that to God that she was being given visions yeah, by that, God. I'll tell you now that didn't happen because that doesn't happen. People don't see the future. Psychic thing, not a real thing. And they presented it as though it was fact in this biopic. And that's that's a bummer. Yeah, I appreciate you going a little bit deeper into it, calling it a supernatural influence. But what I what I guess I was getting at is that they believed from the movie's perspective that she was receiving visions from God, that God was communicating through her. And... So I think a lot of people will watch that and and find that very powerful and walk away from that and think that that's great. Um, I I found the movie to be very powerful in and of itself. And Harriet Tubman is an incredible historical figure. We've talked about her quite often on the show because there was that movement to put someone else on the $20 bill to replace Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. No one more deserving than Harriet Tubman. Well, and she was one of the names that was floated out there. I think... No, no, it... It it was going to happen. It was going to happen. And then the Trump administration put the kibosh on it by like a decade or five or ten years. They're, they're, well, we need to reflect and design and impact statements or whatever. I think clearly we understand what the motivation of Donald Trump is to not having uh, a historic, powerful black woman on, on American currency. It's clearly white supremacy. Yeah, so th- that was a great film because it highlighted just what a remarkable person she was in saving so many enslaved individuals and bringing them to freedom. Yeah, for sure. And we also saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which was the Mr. Rogers movie. This was not the Mr. Rogers documentary that came out like a year ago. You which know? was also good, and we also went to the theater to see. I think the documentary was much better than the film. Uh, this this is the film where Tom Hanks plays Mr. Rogers, and it was good and everything. I, I think I struggled a little bit with the relationship that is depicted between the journalist and the and the father yeah just because there's a lot of like guilt that is put on him to reconcile and forgive the relationship and the dad is just a wanton piece of shit a terrible terrible person i mean we all- just because he's dying doesn't mean he's absolved of all the bad shit he did yeah we all have our problems and i'm i'm not gonna go so far as you to characterize him in that way but um yeah he's a difficult person who who made made his child's life very very difficult and i i just think that there needs to be more space given to adult children of the views and opinions expressed by jesse dollarmore are solely those of jesse dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany page who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. I had to open it. It was in a separate window. I had to find it. I think there needs to be more space given to adult children of abusive parents to not have to take those steps toward forgiveness for the other person, right? I think it's important that people take those steps 
uh, toward forgiveness for themselves, if that is is what's necessary, right, in order to let go of your own anger, in order to process your own negative emotions surrounding abuse that that you suffered at the hands of your parents or or whatever it might be. Um, but in the movie, it was characterized as something that he needed to do for his father before his father died mm-hmm. in order to like give him that that gift of forgiveness at least that's the way i took it and i think that's a lot of guilt to put on adult children of abusive parents that that have have survived very difficult things and it's just a lot of guilt that is that is put on them i could see i can see it if it is someone who's struggling with like holding a grudge actively continuing to hold a grudge year after year after year that is eating you up inside and it's something that's taking up energy and really hurting you right i could see like yeah you need to get let go of that but that does not entail quote unquote forgiveness reconciliation because sometimes people are just a cancer on your life and you need to surgically remove them like a tumor you don't hold a grudge against the tumor. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's a release and a relief for you. I think some people might actually hold grudges against their cancerous tumors. <laughs> well, you know, as, as no, well. No, I'm being serious. Yeah, I I'm, think a lot of people, it's a form of trauma. And yeah. you, you can still hold that, right? That's why I use forgiveness not to speak about other people necessarily. But it is a process that you kind of go through in yourself. And it's not about saying what they did was okay, right? Or excusing it. It's this thing happened. I need to find a way to move forward. I'm going to figure out what forgiveness means for me. It might not necessarily mean telling that to them that you forgive them. It might not even mean bringing them back into your life in any meaningful way, but it might mean something related to how you think of the events that occurred, how you think of that person generally day to day, what you wish for them in the future, right? Things like that. Um, And I think the movie just went a little bit overboard (laughs) in creating an environment where the journalist felt pressure to reconcile. True story, by the way. Yeah, based I'll, on an article. I mean, there were some elements to it where, like, the father and the and the this journalist got into a fight that apparently didn't really happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But 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 it's based on a real guy who wrote a real article. Yeah. In Esquire or mm-hmm. the New Yorker or whatever Esquire. Esquire yeah. yeah. And he was known as being a very angry, difficult guy. Like when he was given profiles of people, he was known for taking them down and ripping them apart, and generally being. Uh, not someone that you would want to spend a lot of time with. <laughs> yeah, and then when he was assigned to, to anyway, watch the movie. It's a great, it's a great movie. Yeah, Tom Hanks plays uh, plays Mr. Rogers. Yeah, but if you are one of those people, don't watch it and walk away feeling guilty, like you need to reconcile with your abusive parent. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of and what then my feel was. <laughs> and then Knives Out. We saw Knives Out with a, a panoply yeah. of stars. It's a perfect movie. Pretty fucking great. Yeah, and I. I can't think of a lot of movies that I would say that about. I mean, other than Wedding Crashers. Um, it it really is. <laughs> class, class, class. It really is just. So it's a murder mystery. Okay. And when you say that, I don't know. I don't know what everyone else thinks. But I thought, okay, dumb. I'm not going to enjoy watching something like that. And it was the greatest movie that I have seen this year. For sure. I felt 
invested in the movie the entire time. There wasn't a time where I started to kind of feel bored and then realized I wasn't paying attention to the movie. That did not happen. You didn't do my classic move where you know I'm getting a little fed up with the movie and I... I start trying to have the, have the light shine onto my watch so I can see what time it is. Yeah, that did not happen. It didn't happen for you, right? No, not at all. Yeah. And there was a lot of tie-ins with the current political climate, a lot of uh, humor in it, even though it is not a comedy. Yeah. So. And Daniel Craig, who knew he'd be so great at that deep south molasses in your mouth Southern accent. Yeah, he's British, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he did a really, a really good accent. Solid, yeah. Yeah. And Chris Evans is in it. He's very funny in it. And... A bunch of people. Tony Collette. Yeah, Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis. Tony Collette actually plays like a very vapid character. Yeah, which like I've, a social media influencer. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> I've never seen her play something like that. Yeah. I... I love her so much. I think she's such a phenomenal actress. So, so this kind of points to the kind of movies we like. To answer the ultimate question that was that, that has been asked many times. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of independent movies, Fox Searchlight, Focus Features. Those types of movies are really are the ones we gravitate toward. I think. Don't speak for me. That's 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 you. There's, all right. Yeah, there's all kinds of movies that I'll go watch. I really. Brittany loves blockbuster superhero movies. I, I'm going to see Wonder Woman. You don't think I'm going to go see Wonder Woman? You're going to go see Wonder Woman. Of course I will. Yeah. I haven't seen all of the superhero movies. I don't... Some of them, right? But I I use Rotten Tomatoes as a guide. That is something that I, that I use as a guide. I'm a little concerned because I wanted to see Bombshell, but it's not getting the greatest reviews. That's the Fox News movie with... Uh... Shirley Theron as Megyn Kelly. Yeah. 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 And, but I think I'll still go see it anyway. But anyway... Yeah, we we try to try to see things that we think will not be a waste of our time and money. Yeah. I think that's the big guide. And we're pretty careful about what we see because I'm I I bum out when we spend money on a movie that is a is a shit. Yeah. That cuz I'll walk out. Yeah, like Nebraska is one that comes to mind that was very... Didn't walk out, but very disappointed with Nebraska. Mm-hmm. There was a guy in there who brought a cooler full of liquor and got himself hammered in that movie theater. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> he was like passed out during yeah, the movie. Yeah. yeah. And then laughing and talking to himself and to the screen. Yeah, well... Anyway, we haven't had an experience like that in the theater in a long time. Mm-hmm, that is true. So, <laughs> that is the answer to the question. So, mm-hmm. speaking of questions, yeah. speaking of listener communication, listener queries, we have some listener communication to get to. Should we start with the email or the voicemail? Let's start with the voicemail. All right. Hey, guys. It's Scott here from Indiana. I uh, just wanted to call and talk about uh, how we're talking about people that are Bernie supporters that say they'll only vote for Bernie Sanders. Uh, I'm a Bernie supporter myself, but I feel like what we're going through right now in this country dictates that I will vote for anybody as long as it's not Donald Trump. And that being said, I feel like the people that are saying things like I will only vote for Bernie are no better than the Trump supporters. Also wanted to touch on you saying that you think that the union will survive another four years of Trump. Uh, Maybe it's just the cynic in me, but I really have my doubts with that well anyways just wanted to call and give my two cents thanks guys you're both the best part well let me let me address that scott 
what exactly does that the question we're gonna have to bear down on what that means what exactly does it mean that the union will or will not survive mm -hmm. trump mm -hmm. do you mean that the 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 ult that in the existential sense of it that the united states will cease to exist i don't think either one of us means that so we would have to for you know pair out that question what does that mean exactly because mm -hmm. i believe that We'll keep on trucking. There will be damage to our institutions that we will have to heal over time. But our judiciary will be in place and it will still function. The Congress will have to find its way in this new post-Trump apocalypse. I'm using that euphemistically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what does that mean to you? That we would have to answer that question. Yes. I, I understand what he's getting at there, though, because... That Hannity tweet. No, not Hannity. The Mike Huckabee tweet. Yeah. Where he Ugh. talked about going on Hannity. And this was just two days ago where he said he was going to be making the case that Donald Trump deserves a third term because of everything that he's been through with Comey and, you know. Let, let me read it because I don't even I think you're really downplaying the dangerous language that he used because it's oh. not it's not even that he deserves a, a this is this is the tweet. I'll be on Sean Hannity tonight, Fox News, at 9 p.m. Eastern, and will explain how real Donald Trump will be eligible for a third term due to the illegal attempts by Comey, Dems, and media at Al attempting to oust him as POTUS. So that's why I was named to head up the 2024 re-election. Now, obviously, he's making a joke there at the end about being named to the 2024 re-election campaign as as uh, to head up that, the election attempt. But he's saying that Donald Trump will be eligible. Not that oh, he deserves it. He'll be eligible for it. That is dangerous. And even if he's trying to do his hokey, stupid, fucking moron, pig fat fucking humor that never works, this isn't something you joke about when you're this close to the center of power in our country. Yeah, and we, we shared this to the Facebook page. And by the way, if you don't follow us on Facebook, I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Doubt It Podcast, on Instagram at I Doubt It Podcast. And you can also follow us at Dollamore at Brittany E. Page on all of those as Brittany well. Brittany E. Page. Correct. So I... I posted this to the Facebook page and there's always this comment that comes up from various people when we post things like this. And it's something along the lines of, are you surprised by this? Yeah. And as though that's the qualification to post something on our, our Facebook pages, we have to be shocked and surprised to post it. Can, <laughs> it, it. It bothers me so much. And the thing is, it shouldn't because it doesn't matter, but but it bothers me so much. And here's why I think it bothers me. No, it's not surprising, but it's still important that we know what the talking points are and how early they're going up onto Fox News. They are already... They're setting the stage. Yeah, they're, they're priming the pump, right? They're getting these Trump supporters preemptively riled up they're floating this out there already so that it can be pretty solidified by the time this election rolls around. So then by that point, it'll be a serious conversation. Yeah. And that is really what's terrifying. No, I'm not surprised that, that things are continuing to get worse, that things are getting this much worse. But this is this is a step up 
honestly, because they're trying to put plant this seed in the heads of millions of Trump supporters. And, and that's very terrifying because you're already hearing about threats of violence when journalists go and they interview these people at these rallies. So it's just concerning about what the consequences will be of this. And people like Mike Huckabee and Sean Hannity, they don't care. They don't have any journalistic integrity because they're not journalists, number one, but also because yeah. they just don't really have integrity. So Mike Huckabee with his Trinity broadcasting show on TBN. The fucking shyster scam artist network bilking women of their social security checks. Fucking Hannity. Yeah. I mean, uh, Huckabee. So I, I think that we don't need to be shocked, but we need to continue to be concerned and stay vigilant about yeah. what is being floated out there and how it's going to influence people because it's it's going to have a negative effect. And I will say that I'm happy to hear <laughs> from at least one caller about how they are supporting Bernie Sanders, but they will vote for whoever the nominee yeah. is because they recognize the situation that we're in. All right. Uh, let's get to that uh, email and then we'll move on. Moving this, on. This is from Alina. Moving on. I wanted to write in about Nike trending today for its release of Modesty Swimwear, which includes full body covering and swim hijabs. Personally, I had my first encounter with this a few years ago when I was caught off guard seeing that my new generic Fruit of the Loom sports bras had panels for modesty, and I posted pics on Instagram to ridicule the concept as a whole. Modesty as a word disgusts me. Modesty to me is what moist is to a lot of people. <laughs> moist. Moist. All right. It sends shivers moist. up my spine because it is almost always used as a female body and or behavior limiting word. But I looked through all of the images that Nike put up of female swimmers, and I am so conflicted. A lot of it looks no different than bodysuits that surfers and divers wear, except for the head covering. And frankly, some of it even looks like the comical, by today's standards, swimsuits men wore in the 1920s. Should I take deep breaths and calm down about the concept of modesty coming forward in mainstream retailers? I really, really, really want to see more girls and young women swimming and being active in the water. Am I being a modest phobe? Also, the whole thing gives me a new appreciation for what Lizzo did last night by going out in public with a whole juicy ass hanging out her G-string. Maybe she's the hero we need for giving us a balance that we need. I'm so confused. Give me those hot Jesse and Brittany takes. <laughs> They're going to be moist. I'll tell you that. Well, all right. Well, let me, let me, this is a whole, God damn, we could do a whole show on, on this. Cause I used to th just knee jerk reaction against the modesty, the hijab flavored swimwear. But ultimately it breaks down like this with me. If, a woman has a choice, and that's what she truly desires for herself, to wear something that covers her body, mm -hmm. then fucking right on. Absolutely. If you want to wear, you know, um, a, a super skimpy, scantily clad, as they would say, ba bathing suit, then you do you. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's it. You do you. Yeah. Now, that script is flipped a little bit where it relates to if you live in Iran, if you live in Saudi Arabia, if you live in these Muslim majority, Muslim ruled countries where you don't have a choice, 
then I'm opposed to that. Where it matters and the, the element that we need to focus on is whether or not there is choice to do so. True freedom to do so. Yeah. And that's really what the difficult part is in figuring this out. Because even the ways in which women are either implicitly or explicitly influenced in this way of thinking about their bodies and how they should cover them. Some people grow up in faith traditions and it's not just, we're not just talking about Muslim hijab wearing faith traditions. We're also talking about other traditions that emphasize purity culture, yeah, like know, evangelical like, churches or I know Mormon, Mormon churches. Who, yeah, Mormons who that women can't like even show their shoulders. Right. Yeah. We're not even talking about bikinis. We're talking about shoulders. Yeah. So like no spaghetti strap dress. Right. So one faith tradition does not have a monopoly on telling women that they need to cover their bodies and they they need to dress modestly. There are degrees of it though of how much of the body must be covered. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Absolutely. But it, and that's really what the difficult thing is, right? So if you have someone who grew up receiving a lot of these messages about modesty and how they need to cover their bodies in order to not provoke men into thinking sexually about them and that that's really their job right is to make sure that men are not triggered into thinking sexual thoughts it's everything relative to the behavior of women is a uh, a boner prevention tactic yeah Uh, because dudes just can't control themselves Right. So tongue in cheek. I hope everybody understood. You seemed a little confused. Like I was advocating that. No, I was just trying to find my next words. But yeah. So so sometimes we have to do a little bit of work on that. Right. If that's what what we were raised with and that's what we were told. And so sometimes people may start out thinking that they're choosing to dress that way because it's a choice that they're making. And then later they discover once they have abandon some of those ideas because they have found they're unhealthy for them that they choose something different and and so i think that's where it gets complicated related to the choice that Mm -hmm. people make right but ultimately and regardless of where the choice is coming from that choice should be up to women if it is because they are still heavily influenced by what they've been told is right and they haven't had an opportunity to choose a different way or think about a, a different path then that's still a choice that they're making. Or let me let me let me expound upon that. Let, yeah. Let's use let's use the Mormon religion. If in your well, just anyone. I've already said it, but you know, fuck me. If if in your faith tradition of which you're still a part, you're still in group in that movement. Yes, this is America. You still have a choice of what to wear and what not to wear. But if there's going to be negative repercussions within your group you really don't have the choice because of that societal pressure your life can be upended Mm -hmm. if you decide to wear a bikini rather than you know a full night sweat uh, shirt out to the beach yeah and the thing is they should still be respected right that's kind of what i'm getting at and what you were getting at too regardless of what the choice is based on they should still be respected when they're out in public when they choose to buy the Nike swimwear at the Macy's or wherever it's being sold, they should still be respected. And I think that for Alina, right, thinking about should I take a deep breath? Sure. Because there's a lot of people who look at those ads and they have some animus for Muslims and Islam in general. Sure. And that's coming from a very bad place 
and, a place of prejudice. Yeah, and that is something that we don't want in our society, right? So Nike is helping to break that down a little bit by normalizing it and bringing everybody in and saying, hey, look at these ads, right? We, we There's space for everybody here. Whatever you want to dress like, whatever you want to be, there's space for everybody. Yeah. And I think that that is a positive thing. Yeah. Even if... We don't want women to receive messages about how they need to cover themselves so as to not provoke men, mm-hmm. right? I think that those two things, and I'm speaking to Alina and other people who feel like Alina, that those two things, they can exist at the same time because ultimately it's centered on a respect for women and their choices. Yeah. And it, let, let me let me quickly address, I don't know how quick it's going to be, but address the the Lizzo thing. Many people out there probably don't know that Lizzo went to a Lakers game the other night. Lizzo is uh, a black woman, singer, got her fame on YouTube, and now she's main fucking stream. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, She is an awesome, unbelievable artist. Now, I want to try to answer this, talk about this, without letting some of what I think about Lizzo color my answer. Because... I, I have a lot of respect for Lizzo, some of which has been diminished when I found out she plagiarized the line, um, I did a DNA test, turns mm-hmm. out I'm the, that number one bitch or whatever she mm-hmm, said. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? It's something like that. Um, that's She stole that from someone and then didn't try tried to not give them credit for it mm-hmm. and then finally came around and is now openly giving them credit. Plagiarism and stealing shit like that really fucking bothers me. So she's a little bit on my shit list right now. But I think overall she's fucking fantastic because she is bold. She is who she is. Unapologetically, she's who she is. I think that's fucking great. Mm -hmm. She went to a Lakers game the other night in a long black Mm t-shirt, very long, with the ass. And she's also a a bigger woman. Mm Mm-hmm. She she had the ass, a giant circle cut out where her ass is, and she was wearing a G-string. Eh, whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, there's probably better things to wear, but that's not my fucking choice. That's her choice. The Jumbotron comes on and shines down on Lizzo. Hey, look at the celebrity in the audience, everybody. Good times. She turns around to the Jumbotron and starts twerking with her G-string on her bare ass on the Jumbotron to, you know, close to 20,000 people, many, many children also in the audience because it's a sporting event. It's not a strip club. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I don't have strong feelings about it because it's, eh, fuck, whatever. But I understand the angst that some people, some people who are in the audience with their kids, I get that. I get that they're like, yeah, that's not the place for that. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I don't think it, it you know, changes the, the needle one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, you know, affect the wind one way or the other. But yeah. it's good for her. But come on, man. It's yeah. not for everywhere. Yeah, I will say I don't care about this at all. Um, but <laughs> in response to you, since you're talking about it, that I, I think what's difficult for people is parsing out the angst associated with, like, okay, kids were exposed to, to like, nudity. I guess, right? Nudity, that's what the issue is. No, well, maybe, but it's also taking away the choice of parents of whether they want their kid exposed to that. Yeah, versus 
so parsing out the angst associated with that versus just the angst and anger and hatred for Lizzo generally because she's a confident black woman. Yeah, who, which none of that applies to what I just said. Yeah, so I think for a lot of people, the discussion surrounding it is frustrating oh, because yeah. they credit a lot of it to the latter part yeah, that I just th- talked right. about. I think that's true for sure. Yeah, so I think a lot of people aren't even hearing about like the angle with the children being like witnessing the nudity or whatever. It's just that she's she's an in your face marching to the 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 beat of her own drum black woman. Yeah. And that's what really is the the underlying motive of their shittiness. Yes. Or their criticism. Yes. Yeah, that's for sure that's probably it. I, I need to step back from my own motivations and reasons and and understand that not everybody's try, probably coming at it with uh Good faith. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. Six, five, (laughs) seven, what? I laughed because I'm like, do we really, do we really care this much about this subject? But sure, it's, it's important in some ways, probably, I think. Actually, and I'm trying, I'm not trying to be shitty. I'm kind of sounding shitty and I'm, that's really not my intent because I think a lot of people have felt that this reflects something uh, about them too, that by Lizzo being criticized in this way, that they're being criticized somehow too, um, because they identify with Lizzo. And so I'm, I'm not, I know I came across as shitty in my tone there. That's really not what my, what my thing was. I'm just, when I heard that this was like thing, when I heard that this was a thing, that people were dedicating a lot of time and energy to talking yeah, about a, a Twitter topic specifically. Yeah, I just felt like isn't there kind of like other things going on that, that yeah we could talk about. Yeah, and and I'm sure this conversation will continue. So we'll leave it to that. We'll leave it at that. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank Andrew. Andrew! Andrew doubled his pledge. Thank you very much for that. And we also want to thank Mark. Mark. Mark is a new Patreon supporter. New. We also want to thank Deborah. Deborah. Deborah gave a donation on PayPal, which was very lovely. Yeah. We want to thank each and every one of you who support the show, whether it be by supporting us on Patreon or sending donations through PayPal, or if you just continue to put money right into Jeff Bezos's pockets by shopping on Amazon during the holiday season. It is, after all, the Christmas holiday gift buying season. Through dollamore.com slash Amazon. Or if you just rate and review us on iTunes without using profanity. That's another fantastic way to support the show. Speaking of fucking purity culture, Apple Podcasts not letting you curse in your reviews. What a bunch of dicks. We also want to (laughs) say, and we posted this to our Facebook and Instagram pages the other day. There's Spotify for podcasters, right? That give you a rundown of, of how you performed on Spotify with your show. Over the past year. Yeah. And it was really fascinating. We learned that we 
connected with fans in 30 countries from Ecuador to Indonesia. And they said that's 11,893 miles of mind-expanding listening. Mind-expanding. Yeah. We also (laughs) produced 85 episodes in 2019. Yeah. And that's 6,000 minutes. Our top countries with listeners, the United States and Canada. Of course. And then they also give our top episodes. And this was kind of interesting. The number one episode was number 627, which is when we talked about the motorcycle dog. And the Oh yeah, when you're driving down the freeway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the homemade Christmas elves that we received Uh, from Jack. From Jack. And then our second most popular episode was number five forty three, the third Democratic debate analysis episode. That's shocking to me. Those usually don't do as well. Yeah. Well, apparently they People are paying attention. Are happy to listen to that now. Big time. And then the third most popular was number 548, where we talked about bathroom gaps. I honestly don't even remember that. We're talking about the gaps in the... In the you made a funny joke. You made a something about somebody helping you put in a pa- tampon or something. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> when the gaps are so large that I feel like the person outside the stall like is helping me, yeah. assisting me insert the tampon. Yeah, it's like yeah. a group effort. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that now. Uh, so it was interesting to see these top three episodes because it's just kind of random. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's based on how good those intros were. That is right. Yeah. So... <clears throat> so... So, as always, thank you for your support, you guys. We appreciate you. Whether it be listening, whether it be supporting the show financially, every bit is is important, and we appreciate every single one of you for it. So, before we move on, get on to Dollamocracy, we had Austin Fowdy on the show a couple of episodes ago talking about the issue he has with a small independent newspaper in Boise, Idaho, called Boise Weekly, in which they wrote an article about uh, people being exited from bars, kicked out of bars for whatever behavior. And in it, some of the the behavior they described was racism, racist behavior. Right. And also, this is the word they used, gray area racism. Well, there's no gray area racism. Racism's racism. You don't have, oh, it's mild racism. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, it's real serious racism. I mean, Racism's racism. Yeah. Well, we got a comment on the website. That's something that people do still. Yeah. Where they they sign in to the, or or comment on a particular episode. There is like a forum on the website that no one really uses, but fucking fantastic. We got a comment there about Mm -hmm. the episode that we're going to read. Yeah, it was actually on the bonus episode. So we would recommend you go listen to that. And we're going to read this comment now. Hello, this is Sarah. I've been inundated by passive-aggressive racism since I was 16. I bore a mixed child in 1987. I was looked down upon as white trash, even though I come from a highly educated family. I was raised in a gray area family, except for my dad. I've heard the crazy things that white people say when they feel quote-unquote safe. I've never accepted any quote-unquote type of racism ever. It hurts me to the core to watch my son go through his challenges but his adoptive father and I are proud. I, in particular, am thrilled at his kindness, compassion, integrity, and intellect. I love him beyond words. There is no gray area. There is no quote-unquote tolerance. I am intolerant of that word. This wonderful Austin Fowdy that you speak of truly is wonderful. 
Thank you for your time, Sarah Graham, Austin Fowdy's mom. Wow. Yeah. So Austin's mom wrote in, and I mean, moving, touching. Yeah, beautiful. Sarah, thank you. And let me say this, Sarah, message straight to you. You raised one hell of a human being, Mm -hmm. a beautiful soul, a gentle human being who actually truly cares within his depths about the human condition, about those around him. I, I mean, I have a, a deep abiding affection for Austin, and uh, I thank you for raising a, a hell of a guy. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the impeachment of Donald Trump is now but a formality. On the 18th, there will be a vote on the floor of the House of Representatives. All indications are that Nancy Pelosi has the votes to formally impeach Donald Trump. Two articles, abuse of power, obstruction of Congress. I have my issues with the brevity of the articles, of the the brevity of time, the investigation. But we're here We're moving on. They held a vote in the Judiciary Committee. Jerry Nadler, New York. It was like 23 to 17. Ted Lieu is apparently out sick. Something's going on with him. He wasn't there. But it was a a straight party line vote. That night, or in the, the, the intervening hours... Mitch McConnell went on Fox News, because really he doesn't go anywhere else to do interviews, with Sean Hannity and indicated on national fucking TV with no secrecy, no, no, I mean, at least he's just being honest about his chicanery, but he indicated that he's going to be coordinating directly with the White House on how the trial goes. All right, joining us now is Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is with us, and his memoir, by the way, is entitled The Long Game. It includes a new forward by President Trump, and it's now out in paperback. Uh, Senator, good to see you. Welcome back to the program. It's been a while. Um, I want to find out about the new forward. I think most people don't fully understand. Let's assume for a minute that the House goes forward with this impeachment, and it's over to the Senate. Walk us through how this process works and the options available and what you what you see happening and how you see this going down. First, as you've uh, pointed out to your viewers uh, frequently, the Democrats have been wanting to do this for three years. The first headline in The Washington Post before the president was inaugurated was they were going to impeach him. Well, they finally got around to it. And we assume we're going to see two articles of impeachment, both of them pretty weak stuff. Uh, coming over to us, and your question is, what happens then? Under the rules of impeachment, the Senate then turns to it, has no option but to turn to it, and it's the sole business until we finish. Uh, How we can impact that uh, really is just with 51 votes. Uh, The Chief Justice is in the chair. Uh, I don't expect the Chief Justice to try to tilt the playing field either way. Uh, We'll listen to the Uh, opening uh, arguments by the House uh, prosecutors. 
They will listen to the president's lawyers uh, respond. And then we'll have to make a decision about the way forward. And everything I do during this, I'm coordinating with White House counsel. There will be no difference between the president's position and our position as to uh, how to handle this uh, to the extent that we can. We're, we don't have the kind of ball control on this that a typical issue, for example, comes over for the House. If, if, if I don't like it, we don't take it up. We have no choice but to take it up, but we'll be working through this process, hopefully in a fairly short period of time, in total coordination uh, with the White House Counsel's Office and the people who are representing the president in the well of the Senate. In total coordination yeah. with the person of interest. And his counsel. Imagine, I mean, listen, the Republicans have been yammering on like fucking broken records about how due process and the federal rules of evidence, even Sean Hannity there. They want this to be run like a criminal trial. Ostensibly, that's what they say. Well, tell me what criminal trial the court coordinates how the trial will go with the defendant. With the accused, in this case, with the guilty. When does that happen? The court should be disinterested to whatever motivations of either side. Looking at, at an unbiased outcome. You don't coordinate. You don't coordinate with either side. You, you coordinate with both sides, if anything. But the court does the, the court's job. Well, and the thing is, if Hillary Clinton was president and the Senate Majority Leader went on Chris Cuomo's nightly program to talk to Chris Cuomo about the upcoming impeachment trial in the Senate with Hillary Clinton, and the Senate Majority Leader said to Chris Cuomo that they were coordinating with the White House counsel... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sean Hannity his would be fucking, playing yeah. that on a loop. His pumpkin head would explode. Yeah, it would just. And I know that that is like a pointless exercise at this at this current moment in time. But no, no, I I disagree. I think we we need to continue to say that. What if Barack Obama had done this? What if Hillary Clinton was president and she did this? Yeah, and keep it fresh. There's there's really no other. It, it is a, a direct analog. To put it in people's minds. Like, continue yeah. to do that. Well, I guess I should have said, I know that a lot of people find it to be a pointless exercise. I personally don't either, because I think it's a useful exercise to keep us on guard, our, ourselves, against that same bias. Because we're not immune. Yeah. We're not immune from if the party of preference that we have, our candidate, was in this situation. We, we wouldn't be immune from that bias and not being able to recognize the issue. On that specific point, though... Let's let's use this thought exercise in reverse, mm -hmm. specifically about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Right. If if we didn't know anything about that, but Donald Trump Jr. Mm -hmm. was over there on the board of some energy company, right? In the same situation as 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 with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, we'd be losing our fucking minds, justifiably so. So we shouldn't be giving Joe Biden a pass, just like we wouldn't be giving um, Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump a pass. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get off my little, little soapbox. <laughs> so there, there's a guy who's a congressional historian. His name is Norm Ornstein. 
And he went on with one of the hosts. I don't watch a lot of MSNBC, so I don't know all their names. Ari, I think, is or Arnie. Or anyway, fuck you guys probably know who he is. And they were talking about this very interview, this very implication from Mitch McConnell and his guest, and then his, his the other guest, Joyce Vance, who's a former U.S. attorney. They were both absolutely appalled. Uh, you know, I was gobsmacked by this. Not that I expected McConnell was going to uh, follow the facts and uh, where they would lead, which would be to remove Donald Trump from office. This is a, a partisan process. It's going to be a partisan process. But to basically admit before you even start the trial that it's rigged is just quite astonishing. And in a way, it reminds me of Donald Trump uh, in the campaign saying, Russia, if you're listening, get the emails followed by just a few weeks ago, China, if you're listening, get me dirt on Biden. It's I'm going to say it right out in the open. And what are you going to do about it? And I, I would add just one thing to this, Ari, which is I'm not sure that every Republican in the Senate is going to rejoice when they see this clip because they're still going to have to vote on the rules and they're going to have to vote if uh, there are going to be any witnesses, whether uh, if the chief justice says, for example, that the House managers can call in Mick Mulvaney or Rudy Giuliani, uh, they can vote by simple majority to block that, which wouldn't look too good for them. And you've got a half dozen Republicans in the Senate up in 2020 who may not want to be put in that position. Mm. Uh, Joyce, I want to play something from uh, Senator Byron Dorgan, who was also around during that Clinton impeachment, uh, talking about the different approach that even the Democratic leaders took there. They were they were in some touch at times, obviously, with the White House and their party. Um, but they didn't do what McConnell's doing. They had a different approach. Take a look. We developed a template for how to go to this trial and how to conduct the trial. And uh, we had two leaders, uh, Senator Daschle and Senator Lott, respected each other, and they wanted to make sure this was done the right way and done in a way that was bipartisan. And that's exactly the way it happened. Now, did, obviously, did, just the to, Senate's a very different place. Sure, but just to hit the point, did the, did the then Democratic leader, Senator Daschle, did he say publicly or did he privately intimate to, to your caucus that he was coordinating everything with uh, the White House? No, not at all. Hmm. I mean, nothing like this. Joyce? Joyce? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you, Ari. Say again. I, I, would, I just called on you for your response to the whole issue, and we were playing, if you could hear it, uh, Senator Dorgan's response. Uh, yeah. I, I did. And, you know, like Norm, I was gobsmacked last night when I first saw this tape. It was very difficult to process that the leader of the Senate went on national television and vowed to violate the oath of office that he was going to take when impeachment proceedings started. And I, as I have watched it over and over today, I'm even more disbelieving than I was the first time that I saw it. Of course, we know that that's not how the Clinton process worked. It is, of course, a, a, inherently a political process. But what happened during Clinton was much more in line with our expectations. The problem going into impeachment after having McConnell take this sort of a vow is there's no way that Trump can truly be exonerated, even if the Senate votes to acquit him. It's a rigged jury. It's not an acquittal. Now, as I think both of them said, it is to be expected that Mitch McConnell is not going to do this in good faith. <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised by it. We're not surprised by it. Are you surprised by this? But it doesn't mean we shouldn't be fucking outraged. 
And we need to carry that outrage with us into 2020, into the election. And personally, I'm shocked by it. I can't believe it. What? I'm beside myself with, well, with complete. I'm just. Oh, you, I'm you better make words. sure. You better make sure you're shocked because the only circumstances under which you should be talking about anything is if you're surprised by it. <laughs> I don't know that I would be ever listen, speaking. Listen, you better be surprised. Shocked. <laughs> so anyway, I, I mean, listen. Obviously, going to Senator Byron Dorgan from North Dakota, who was there when I was there, mm. Democrat. So when they impeached uh, Bill Clinton, the two majority and minority leaders of the Senate were Tom Daschle and Trent Lott from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Things were a lot different back then. In what way? In the way that the Senate is the deliberative body, the more deliberative body, the, when, when they used to say, my good friend across the aisle, they really were, it was a more congenial atmosphere. Certainly there was partisan divide, mm. absolutely, but not like it is now because Donald Trump has ushered in a new age of American politics. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to use this as an opportunity to once again shit on Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg, but may I? Yeah, of course. So <laughs> this idea is a bunch of malarkey. They're running on this idea that they can unify the country, right? They keep talking about unity and they're going to bring Republicans and Democrats together. That's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> yeah. So unifying the American people is the big thing, which is a great idea. Right. But they're also acting as though and Biden has said this exact thing that he believes Republicans will have an epiphany. Okay. Yeah. And they will work with the Democrats once Donald Trump is defeated. That they'll have an epiphany. That's the word that he used. And that they will come down from whatever cloud they're on and come back to reality and work with the Democrats on getting what the Democrats want to get done. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and this Bloomberg article, they're in talking about this. They reached out to David Jolly, a Republican congressman who represented a Florida district. Uh, Parkland. I believe from 2014 to 2017. And he has since left the party, but he was asked about the things that Biden and Buttigieg are specifically running on, like raising the minimum wage, regulating gun ownership, bolstering the affordable care act. None of these are Republican uh, agenda points. Yeah. They they have fought pre Trump. Right. Fought this. Right. And all of these things have brought national support. Right. But these things, like you're saying, have been blocked by Republicans. So when they reached out to David Jolly, he said, quote, for Republicans specifically, most of these proposals are dead in the water. Absolutely. Um, He talked about how the prospect of cross party cooperation related to these goals, quote, is unrealistic where today's politics lie. So. That is kind of what you're getting at, where you're talking about Mitch McConnell, right? And this idea that we hope things will be different. Well, what is telling us that things will be different? Mitch McConnell has been telling us who he is for a very long time. Oh, yeah. It's time that we accept it. Without shock. (laughs) Accept it. (laughs) Yes, preferably. So we'd love to know what you think about all that. You can sound off, give us your opinion, ask us some questions, further the conversation, moving it forward, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit 
at dollamore.com. Hillary Clinton went on Howard Stern's show last week, and uh, we didn't talk about it. It's been on the board to talk about mm-hmm. for several episodes. Yeah. And just shit happens. Yes. We're going to talk about it today. Um, the first part of it is her description of, it's kind of the light moment of mm-hmm. it. And then mm-hmm. the other is her remaining bitterness about people who, we'll, we'll play the clip, but to me it seems like she's bothered that people are uh, opposed to her possibly running again for office. I don't know. I, I want to know what everybody thinks about it, but l- let's get to the, the lighthearted part of it where she talks about the inauguration first. You know, I went to the inauguration of Donald Trump, which was one I of am, the I hardest am, days of my life, to something? be honest. I am consumed with that. I was thinking mm. about you that day. I was watching mm. you more than I was watching mm. Trump. First of all, I don't even know how you get past. You got three million more votes than the guy. I did, right. In my mind, you won the election. The Electoral College, I can't explain that. I don't under, I think it was for some farmer who felt uh, that he was, his rights were going to be denied. But the majority of the people in the country voted for you. Right. You got the job done. Right. When you're standing there watching this guy, are, what the hell is going through your head? Are, are, are you just, I would imagine you were on antidepressants that day. <laughs> you know, how? here's how I felt about it. I mean, obviously, I was crushed. I was disappointed. And I was really surprised because I couldn't figure out what had happened. And you hadn't even written a losing speech when you lost that no, night. You had only no, had victory in mind. No, and, and every everything was pointed in that direction. So when he's going to be inaugurated, I was going as a former first lady. Right. That was the reason I was there. I was no longer in the Senate. I, I was a secretaries of state don't usually attend. So I was. But your go. sense of duty is yes. my husband was president. I was right. first lady. Right. And this is what we say to the country. There's continuity. That is exactly how I felt. And, and a lot of people said to me, don't put yourself through that. Don't go. And I said, look, I ran for president because I love this country. I wanted to serve this country. I thought I would have been a really good president. I want. Him you would have to, been you would have been spectacular well, with I all hope your so. experience. Yeah, I hope foreign so. Foreign affairs. Yep. But would I, you be crushing NATO right now? I don't think so. No, no, we need them. But so I, you're but, standing up there. So, so I'm, I, I said to myself, I said to everybody who talked to me about it. Look, I hope he's going to be a better president than I think he will be. I'm worried about it, but I'm going to do everything I can. As I told him when I called him, you know that terrible night. And oh, you said, did call him Oh, that I night. did. I said, you know, I said, look, um, you know, Donald, I want you to be a good president. I will do whatever I can to help you. So, you know, we're in that period. Was he period. gracious or was he a sore one? He was so shocked he couldn't, I mean, he, he could, could barely, barely form talk. He was as shocked as you. Right. <laughs> he was more shocked than me, I think. Wow. Uh, but, he was uh, shocked. Yeah, he was shocked. All right. And, and so when I got there, you know, go ahead, get out there, you, you put on the best face possible, and I'm you know, Bill and I are sitting with George and Laura Bush. And then he started on that speech, which was so bizarre. And that's when I got really worried. I thought, wait a minute. If this isn't the, rational. It's not rational, but it's also not it's not politics. It's not what a president does. A president is supposed to try to reach out to people who weren't for right. him or her. You're supposed to say, OK, I'm going to be the president of everyone, those who supported me and those who didn't, because we're going to pull the country together. I'd hope that I would hear a little of that. I didn't hear any of that. And then that carnage in the street and the dark dystopian vision. 
I was sitting there like just, wow, couldn't believe it. George W. Bush says to me, well, that was some weird shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. And yes, it was. It was. Mm-hmm. And now we have a drop for many uh, uh, occasions. Well, that was some weird shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I. That's better than the I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, just chilling or whatever oh the fuck she said. Oh my god! Someone <laughs> recently made fun of that. Who was the Democratic candidate that's pulling uh, nothing in the polls that did it? Bennett. Yes, Bennett. Yeah. What's his first name? I know Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Yeah. That's right. So <laughs> neither of us, Jesse D, and I won't necessarily speak for you, but we're not rah rah Hillary Clinton people. Uh, I don't like her, and we did not watch the entire interview. Although I I watched most of it, I think I I really like the way Howard Stern interviews people, and I think that he he connects very well with almost anyone that he speaks to and he can get something out of them that most people wouldn't be able yeah, to. Absolutely. I think his years in therapy have gifted him with that ability. <laughs> and I think he would say that too, but she went on and there, there weren't only light moments like this. This was certainly one of them. I can think of another one where she was talking about, going to the movies or going to the grocery store with the Secret Service in tow and Howard Stern was like asking her her how close they stand to her if they sit right next to her in the movie theater. She's like, listen, they're not squeezing the cantaloupes with me. They're, you know, they're in the back or whatever. So there were a few light moments. But as you said, she also broached topics that you can tell are still a bit of a sore spot for her. Yeah. And the loss of the 2016 election was one of those things. Doesn't it upset you that that um, even your fellow Democrats, like when someone's like you, you said something the other day, I never rule out running again or something yeah. like that. Fine. Yeah. Well, who cares? Yeah. They're angry. They don't want you to run again. They well, don't want you to, you know, everyone's pissed off. At you. Even your even your allies are pissed. I yeah, mean, some are. Do you ever, some do you ever just you after, do you just ever want to just lay in bed and say, fuck this. I'm getting out. I mean, I am going to go into full seclusion no. and they're never going to hear from me again. No. First of all, um, that would only delight my adversaries. Um, so <laughs> right. I would never do that. But secondly, I have this unique perspective, some of which we've been talking you about do. today. I have a unique perspective. I have a particular understanding of the Russian threat. And it's not going to only be Russia. I mean... So you must be laying awake at I night. I do. I worry a lot. Because you know how I, what the shenanigans yes, are. Yes, I worry, I worry a lot. You've negotiated yeah. with mm-hmm. them. You've seen secret intelligence. I have. And you know that, you know, there's these guys... Who phone from Nigeria? Who phone your home and somehow finagle six grand out of you by doing that? Yeah. And you're brilliant at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine what's going on when Vladimir Putin sits there and plans against the United States. Well, but you know, you can read the the indictments against the Russians, and I, you know, a lot of people didn't pay attention to it, but it's very uh, informative and scary. Do you mean the Mueller report? Yeah, the yeah. indictments. Okay. The report itself, I think, is also worth reading. But if you read the indictments, you know, basically they were like, hey. Let's do everything we can to elect Donald Trump. I mean, that's, those, those are quotes. Those are taken, words they Those said. are words yeah. that taken, and they also said Bernie Sanders, but, you know, that's another, for another day. Do we day. hate Bernie Sanders? What? Do we hate Bernie Sanders? No, I don't hate anybody. Bernie could have endorsed you quicker. Uh, he could have. He him. hurt me. There's no doubt about it. Hang on a minute. Uh, this just came to me. Mm. When someone says, do you hate Bernie Sanders? And your response is, no, I don't hate anybody. Mm-hmm. 
that doesn't connote that he she really appreciates him and likes him. That means, yeah, I don't like that guy, but I don't hate him. Because mm-hmm. if if you if someone says to me, "Do you hate Britney Page?" Mm-hmm. I don't say, well, "I don't hate anybody." I say, "No, I love Britney Page. Mm-hmm. Britney Page is great." Yeah, I have nothing against Britney Page. Mm-hmm. You don't. Nah, I don't hate anybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking weird. <laughs> and then they're going in to talk a little bit about Bernie. Do we day. hate Bernie Sanders? What? Do we hate Bernie Sanders? No, I don't hate anybody. Bernie could have endorsed you quicker. Uh, he could have. He hurt him. me. There's no doubt about it. He hurt me. But going back to the indictments, because that's right. what's really important. Have you ever spoken to Bernie about that? No. No. You don't I talk mean, to him? I don't talk to him. I mean, we did when he finally endorsed me and all that. But and you're he, upset with him? No, disappointed. Disappointed. Okay. okay. So, and, and I hope he doesn't do it again to whoever gets the nomination. Right. Once is enough. We got. We have to. Everyone yeah, unite. We have to join right forces, yeah. and you know, people could speculate and and have some good reason to speculate about how bad it might be with uh, Trump in the White House. Now we know. There's no guesswork. We know, right. and and we know that, given his personality and his 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 rage um, against anyone who questions him, Lord knows what he might try to do. So it's time to retire him. But if you look at that indictment, I mean. And, and 60 Minutes actually had a really good show on this the other night where they took the what, what they called the soldier hackers, the Russians who were doing it, and they pieced it all together so that, you know, somebody watching 60 Minutes could have an understanding of how the orders came from the Kremlin. They went to military intelligence. These guys were recruited. They pretended to be Americans. They sowed discord. They went, made all kinds of, uh, you know, phony news to try to influence people. And people who say, oh, that didn't influence you just mentioned the Nigerian guy's call. Yeah. Somebody gives him $6,000. Right. It's going Advertising on. spends many billions of dollars to persuade you to do things. Of course, it had an impact on a considerable number of people. This character owns Facebook. He yeah. won't. Uh, are you pissed? What a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Right. He, he, yeah. Uh, he you know, just... for him to say, uh, you know, we're not going to take down, you know, fake ads. You yeah. Know, total lies basically which is what trump is running now on facebook against biden right. um is such an abdication of responsibility and i i don't understand what's going through his head i've heard him try to explain it he doesn't do a very good job of it should be regulated listen I've, I've been in radio be. my whole life it's regulated it is. i can't go on and slander you yeah, and, and, and get away with I it i know i know it because at the beginning I think people thought it would just be a pass-through, but that's not what it turned out to be. The algorithms are determining so much of what you actually see. It's freaky. It is. Could you support Bloomberg? I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is. I yeah, I don't know who that's going to be. But why not be an advocate for one person? Let's uh, because get behind I, someone. I, I mean, I know them. I, I know them all. I don't. You I don't, don't want to get. In, I don't want to get in the middle. No, I don't want to get in the middle. It's up to the voters to decide. I think Bloomberg would be a good president, but I don't know if he can win. I I have no idea. We're going to find out because you know he's going to he's not going to compete in the early contests, I guess. But he's right. going to compete on. on but Super I, I I think Biden. Buttigieg, interesting, right? He's very interesting. Very smart. Smart mm-hmm. guy. When this guy mm-hmm. speaks, mm-hmm. Yeah. he makes sense. Mm-hmm. But your husband—that doesn't matter but, but much your, these but, days. But your husband was—he <laughs> had a way of talking he that did. Your made husband, people understand. Your husband was some president, the explainer yeah. in chief. He also loved to, anyway, sexually assault people. So, incredibly um, yeah, accused of rape. Your husband's a fucking monster piece of shit who should have been fucking impeached and removed. So Bernie Sanders responded to this and said, "Quote: I'm sorry that Hillary Clinton is rerunning 2016." I could take out a letter from Hillary Clinton saying, thank you, Bernie, for working so hard to try to make me president of the United States. 
(laughs) (laughs) And you and I talked about this, Jesse, and I think you did a little bit of research to see how long it took Bernie to endorse Hillary Clinton after. Well, it was he endorsed her before the, the nominating convention, before the Democratic National Convention, Hmm. like two weeks before. Yeah, I do remember there was a lot of consternation. Sarah Silverman got up and made a speech during the convention, right? Yeah. And she got booed. Yeah. Well, here, listen, she wasn't the official nominee yet, and he in- had endorsed her already. So if he waited a while, because there was a lot of like, what strategy are we going to use? Are we going to continue? There's a lot of d- deliberation within a campaign of whether they're going to continue, whether they're going to suspend, what they're going to do. And they hadn't made those choices yet because the DNC was in it for Hillary Clinton the entire time. It was never in consideration by the Sanders camp of whether he was going to run as a third party. It wasn't that. It was, do we still have a shot at the Democratic nomination? But Hillary Clinton felt fucking entitled to it. She still obviously feels entitled to to have got the nomination in 2016. Well, that was some weird shit. But but I will say this. I believe that her criticisms for Zuckerberg are well-founded. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, listen, maybe not then. Like, give give the guy a pass for what took place, place in 2016 because it's it's a brave new world out there in the social media landscape. But what has taken place since and what is taking place now, as far as Mark Zuckerberg is concerned is very alarming, very concerning that he's having fucking dinner with white supremacists like Tucker Carlson. That he's buddy-buddy with Ben Shapiro, allowing him to break their rules. That he's allowing politicians to pay to advertise lies on his platform. He's making some of the same and more serious mistakes than he did in 2016. And he's defiant about it. He he doesn't appear to me to be this charitable, altruistic figure. Mm-hmm. He's making bad choices, acknowledging that those are the choices he's making, and doubling down and being a cock about it. <laughs> All right. To, to put it, you know, in, in an mm. intellectual way that, you know, the audience can really get mm. behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really breaking it down. Right. <laughs> anyway, that was that. I think overall the interview was 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 a good thing because it gets lets us into the mind a little bit about Hil- into Hillary Clinton. I was shocked that she went on Howard Stern for like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a little bit of a risky That's thing danger to do. Because yeah. he, he even asked about, like, have you ever had a lesbian uh, relationship? That was always reported and rumored. Mm-hmm. Have you? And she, she just flatly denied it. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos, as always, to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. When I heard the taking care of biz, I made a face at you and you kind of looked at me like, what? 
See, when we do the video podcast, which we're getting ready to launch, you'll be able to see some of that because... I hope you don't hold back. I really hope that it's the same Brittany Page as it is when there's no camera pointing in your face. Yeah, well, I <laughs> because we had planned, I thought, for it to be asshole of today, but really this one could go either way. So this is a situation where a reporter, and I'm trying to find her name... I had his name because oh, I was ready to... Alex Bozarian. Okay. And she was reporting... And I probably butchered the fucking last name, uh, but I just have it on the clip, so... Yeah, she was reporting in front of a marathon. It's a fun run or something. Yeah. And all the runners are running behind her. She's talking into the camera, and everyone's passing her from behind. And then all of a sudden, a man slaps her on her ass. Yeah. And uh you could see on her face the alarm. You you can see on her face the confusion, the fear. That like there were, it just was a wash of emotion over her trying to process what had just happened. If I can read into what I saw. Yeah, please. <laughs> based well, you, on, I, I think you'd have a better read on it than me. Well, I think you're right. But uh, more specifically, I just want to kind of drill down on it. She's in a professional capacity in her role mm, as a reporter. Yeah, that's an element. Yeah. And what her face looked like to me after he did this was she was just crushed that in her professional role as she's doing her job, as she's being a professional person, she is still treated like a sexual object, just an object. Yeah. And in that moment, her face is just, did this just happen? I'm reporting. I'm on TV. What What was that? Yeah, all live on the air. Right, right. You see it happen. And we're going to post this link to the Facebook page so you guys can go watch the video as well. But she was also interviewed because this guy, they found out his name. Right. Because there's they saw him run by and then they tracked different uh, cameras throughout the race to find other pictures of him, found his race number. Twitter figured it out before like the race officials did. Oh, okay. They went to work. Yeah. So Tommy Calloway is his name. And he happens to be a youth group leader at his church and a Boy Scout in leadership in the Boy Scouts. Correct. Yeah. And now he's trying to reach out to this this reporter to, quote unquote, correct the situation. Yeah, I think he's worried about a fucking lawsuit. Yeah. Anyway, she did go on CBS or whatever network, Gail. Um, what's her last name? Oprah's Gail. King. Gail. Gail King. Gail That's King. Right. So uh, she went on whatever network it is. I think it's CBS, CBS This Morning, and they talked to her about this moment. And Alex joins us now. Alex, good morning. Good morning. Mm. So the, the video tells almost the whole story. You can see your reaction, but what were you thinking? That reaction is so priceless, says so much. What was going through your head that moment it happened? Well, the moment it happened, um, you know, you, you're you in disbelief. Yeah. You you feel like, did did that really just happen? Um, so took some time to process, um, but it was extremely vulnerable. Um, you know, and I think I, I would say that the reason why, you know, maybe it caught so much fire is because um, the emotion is extremely relatable for women 
all over the world. Yeah. Not only for journalists working on TV, but yeah. for women in general. I mean, this is a workplace issue. <clears throat> right, right. Um, and you say that slap actually stung. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it was a heavy impact. It yeah. seemed very deliberate, too. When you're watching it, right, it seemed right. very deliberate. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, if you, I've, I've, of course, watched the video multiple times because you look at it and it feels like it's not you. It's like you're watching somebody else. Um, but he separates himself from the runners and yeah. he kind of winds up and, um, you know, he, he hit me hard. I mentioned that it's deliberate because isn't he saying it was an accident, that he didn't do it on purpose? Because the tape certainly <clears throat> tells a very different story. Right, yeah. Um, he did try to, you know, make contact um, um, with our um, station, with the station that I work with, um, and, um, you know, kind of, you know, was saying that his intentions were not, you know, to hurt me. He didn't intend to do it, um, which, you know, not going to really debate that because he hurt me. But so now what? that you've had time to think about it, because at first you are stung, clearly startled. Are you angry, frustrated, saddened by it? What are you thinking? Um, I think immediately after, um, after you kind of sort through the vulnerability of the situation, um, you are inundated with some female guilt. Guilt? Um, That's interesting. Guilt, Alex. Why? Um, I guess maybe because of all of the um, social media attention. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's been an outpouring of support from so many people, men, women, you know, um, people of all ages. You've also had people, though, say, accept the apology, move on, you said. Right, yeah, um, accept the apology. Um, it's your fault. You put yourself in the line of fire. Um, line of fire? Line of fire? Yeah, right. essentially just, I mean, maybe that comes from a misunderstanding of what live reporting Doing your job. Is. Yeah. Right. Anthony, you have a statement from Yeah, the, we need to the read lawyer. this lawyer's, the, the runner's lawyer sent a statement saying they regret the situation, but he, quote, did not act with any criminal intentions, that he's a loving husband and father, and they don't expect any criminal charges. <laughs> uh, are you open to hearing what he has to say? Um, I swear to God. I think um, what is most important here is that he took my power, and I'm trying to take that back. Um, mm -hmm. And um, whether I am open to it or not, um, I want to take my time with that. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, I think what it really comes down to is that he helped himself to a part of my body. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I think mm -hmm. took my power is a really powerful phrase uh, it, because there are people and you've heard from them who are saying, what's the big deal? You know, he was a being rambunctious real quickly because we do have to go. What's the reaction to those people? Um, my reaction to that. Um, quickly. Oh, we sorry. Go. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, cutting sure. us. We'll take right. it to social media. We'll get sure. that reaction. All right. Great. Cool, and we'll be right back. Great, guys. Wow. Perfect. Wow. Hey, tells us how many to hope. Sorry, get cut off, everybody. Next up, fucking how to cook zucchini. Yeah. Fucking morning shows, Gotta man. get paid by Icy Hot. God so, um, I, 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 I was talking to you about this. And when she talked about female guilt and the, the reaction of people saying it's not a big deal. and A lot of that online. I, I think a lot of it, and I'm hoping, has gotten better with things like the Me Too movement. But I even, I talked to you, and, and I shared this several episodes back about when I was 16 at my first job and I got cornered in the break room by uh, an older adult man and, and he grabbed my ass. And I... I felt the same way that she did when I saw her face. It was just, it's shocking when it, when it happens. Yeah. And I went to my manager who was my friend and I cried to her because I, I didn't like what happened. And I also didn't like that I didn't react in a typical way that would have been typical for me, which is standing up for myself right. very forcefully. Yeah. 
And she said this, we need to go to the general manager. We need to report him. He needs to lose his job. And I remember saying like, but he, he just grabbed my ass. It's not, you know, like that's not a big deal. Programming. And she said, that is a big deal and we need to go. And he did. He lost his job because of it. So when people hear this, I think that that might be the initial reaction, right? To even do some sort of comparison. Well, that's all that happened to you. That's not a big deal. But yeah. listen, no, it is a big deal. You can't touch other people. Yeah, let, let, <laughs> let me put it in perspective like this. If he had slapped her face the same with the same power and force that he slapped her ass, mm-hmm. no one would question. Mm-hmm. Everyone would be, what the fuck? He slapped a woman mm-hmm. while she was on the air? Oh, my God. But right. because it's her ass, mm-hmm. because it's sexualized for some reason, mm-hmm. all of these dirty fucking jerk-offs online act like, oh, it's not a big deal. What's the big deal? Just calm down, everybody. Mm-hmm. No, it is fucking atrocious. This guy needs to be in jail. Mm-hmm. He assaulted another human being live on TV. There is no debate about it. Right. And I am so thankful to her for making this appearance, which I'm sure couldn't have been easy because, like she said, you when- can tell she's nervous. I mean, she's a broadcaster. Right. And um, um, she's very nervous. Right. And when you all of a sudden go viral online and then everyone just descends upon you with their stupid opinions, it has to be terrifying and exhausting, especially when they're not getting your experience right. And you feel like you need to defend yourself and argue what happened to you. So I just, I want to thank her, even though she'll never hear this. And I, I admire her strength in coming out and, yeah. and talking about it because it will be beneficial for young people to see that it's not right when these kinds of things happen, regardless of whether or not people agree. It, it's just, it's yeah. the law. So it doesn't matter what other people's opinions Fact. are. Yeah, period. Yeah, and this guy issuing a statement that he's a loving father and husband, you're grabbing women's asses in public. So yeah, enough, fuck off. enough. Fuck it's it's on off. video. Yeah. It's on video. Stupid fucking jerk off. The only thing I would disagree with is that uh, she's not going to hear this because clearly she's a regular listener of the program, Brittany Page. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> anyway, we're going to end it there. We love you guys. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone, as always, to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time for Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Well, that was some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs>